You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, here's my before the after the show discussion question for you. What ever happened to the amazing TV show Project Greenlight? I nearly said runway. Green light. Um, it was a show from. Oh, you aren't actually asking me. I'm just going to describe what this show was because maybe people saw it, maybe they didn't. I think probably most people didn't. It was a HBO show to start with um, in the early 2000s, and it was Ben Affleck and Matt Damon um, were responsible for putting the thing together. And it was to encourage filmmakers to. It was like a competition for filmmakers to enter. And the prize at the end was they would get your film made. Um, there was three seasons of it. Three films came out of it. Stolen Summer, The Battle for Shaker Heights, and the final one was Feast, um, a horror movie. Which That's probably the one most people saw, because they publicised that one highly. It um, disappeared. I love that show. I've actually got the two seasons that they put out on DVD, on DVD. That third season was never released. You can't see it. Anywhere, you have to go and download it off a torrent or whatever. Um, what happened to it? Um, did you enjoy it? I did. I think that it began to feel a bit Hollywood fakey to me by the time Feast came around. Like, it was obvious who was going to be picked. And the idea is they wanted to pick a script someone wrote and make it into a movie for a million dollars. They wanted to yeah. tell the Weinstein guys, yes, good movies can get made for a million dollars. And it doesn't have to be somebody who comes up through the ranks and has to be a Hollywood person. So they started by having people just submit scripts. They weren't looking for filmmakers. They were just looking for scripts. And the problem with that first season one was they picked a script that they liked that won, quote unquote. But that guy was not like a director or a movie make filmmaker at all. He just wrote, but then they had him be the director. And I think it was kind of a debacle. It seemed right. Pete, yeah. that was, wasn't it? Was that Pete? I, I think so. He, he's he, he almost from the footage that they show you of because when he does how the show works is they do one show where they show you all the submissions and then they pick somebody and then the rest of the show is following the guy who won and through the process of making the movie casting all that stuff and that guy looked like he didn't no look idea. at home the, he looked out of his element the entire time in fact there was one scene and I remember it to this day where he was in that room and he, his head was on the desk and it looked like he was sobbing to himself. <laughs> it was, it looked like a nightmare for everybody. And the John Gulliger one, even, the Feast one, it didn't look very smooth because <laughs> he had some ideas, they had some ideas. It all just looked, it became apparent. It was a bit contrived to me. Yeah, I like think... Like, Hollywood's not going to let you just come in here and write a movie. It's going to be what we say. And everyone's already in place. All the crew, all the cast, pretty much... It did seem like that in to... the third season. Absolutely. That third season, it seemed like they picked this guy, John Gulliger. He's going to make this film. But let's remind everyone, he's actually the son of a very famous he guy. He Clue Gulliger. Right, who's from like Westerns. and Correct. So, so to me, it was obvious that he was going to be the guy that they chose the whole way through. But the, the whole scenario of him making his movie and the politics of it, you could tell that 
he didn't really have any say hardly. It mm. was just what you do what we say and we're giving you this opportunity so make this movie yeah, yeah. and thank you a product. and we need the product at the end but you loved it because I did, it's about because making it, movies and the drama of it. it it's like you like project runway which mm-hmm. is actually from the same make, the makers of reason it's called project you like project runway you're not a fashion person you don't no. wear fashion <laughs> but you like no. the idea of creating something and the correct and I like the idea of being out this creating a movie. It seemed the perfect thing, and Matt Damon, and you know, the, it was the perfect show for me. I loved it. In fact, it makes me want to go and grab the DVD. Mm-hmm. I think the second uh, the second season was my favorite, the Battle of Shaker Heights one, because that was the introduction of who Sheila LaBeouf. Right. Um, they casted him as an unknown for that movie, and then he became the sidekick in lots of movies and Transformers. <laughs> Correct. But um. It makes me want to go and dig out season two and just watch it because I don't remember it really and I don't really remember the film that well. So that's our project green light discussion. And you can get those first two seasons on DVD. They're not cheap though because they don't make them anymore so you have to get a used one. Well, if you have HBO On Demand, you think they haven't backlogged? It isn't on there either. It's, it was one of them shows where the Weinsteins... Uh, and then the Weinsteins sold and, and then, then that got sold. somebody else owns it and so it doesn't kind of exist unless you go and seek it out right so um and that's the reason that season three never became of anything it got lost in that shuffle of weinstein buyouts so it is saturday december the 28th we hope you had a merry christmas or hanukkah or kwanzaa (laughs) or all those things all those i don't think those are the only three holidays that happen how about a happy winter whatever you do in the winter time happy celebration or Or if you're somewhere where it's summertime then whatever the summertime celebration is. and if you don't celebrate we hope you had a happy week so um it's january the uh, it's not january it's december the 28th oh my god you're like 2013 and this is the after the show number 306 the movie we're looking at this week is elysium this is a 2013 movie and released on blu-ray on the 17th of december so just in time for christmas it's rated r it was but now it's too late yeah. You haven't purchased it yet. You can yet. pick it up with your gift certificates or whatever you got for Christmas. So, um, it's R-rated. The tagline for this movie is, He Can Save Us All. And it's from our friends at Sony. We looked at the Blu-ray release. Sid Talks, synopsis for Elysium. We're still letting me do the synopsis? Synopsis. Because you're not going to approve. No, it's fine. Go on. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, except it's future, rich people in the sky, poor people on the ground, and it's very, very disparaging. However, the thing in the sky is crumbling a little bit. I mean, politically, and the thing on the ground is pretty shitty. And then, of course, there's one dude who's growing up on the in the poor side, on the ground. And there's something, I don't know. The ground like, being Earth. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the ground is Earth. Where we all are. And the Elysium being And he's been told by a nun at some point that he's special and he'll do something great with his life. And we just follow him basically as he makes his way to the sky. Yes. In a nutshell. (laughs) Yes. So, um... In a synopsis. So Elysium uh, is from Neil Blomkamp, who did District 9, which was one of my favorite films of 2009 and possibly one of yours. Um, Possibly. Nominated for Oscars. It was a fantastic sci-fi movie that was unlike, in my opinion, any other sci-fi movie that had come come before. Because 
of its realistic and political kind of tone. Elysium continues that. Mm-hmm. Um, the political tone, at least, and the... It's like your movie-watching brain is telling you this is like things I've, I've seen before, but then your brain brain is saying, but it's not doing it quite the same. Right. I mean, it's... It's very realistic. It's realistic, but then it's not. Obviously, it's got, like, huge sci-fi This one's a little factor. less realistic. Um, a lot less. It's yeah. got huge sci-fi factors going on, but I wouldn't say it's realistic, really. It's got some elements that are based in reality, like some physics are and some... The yeah, look there of are things. questions to ask where well, there's holes in Hell this. yeah, there's a lot of holes, but when I like a movie, I don't poke the holes Now, I really hard. liked this movie, but let me say, I think District 9... Um, I liked District 9 better, and I'm going to say because of this. This movie I really like. I love how it looks. This guy, Neil Blom- Blomkamp, has got a fantastic... of making sci-fi things look absolutely real. They don't look like, oh, that's a weird thing. Like, there are ships in this, and I was watching very closely, like, a lot of it's filmed... It looks like where District 9 was filmed, actually, but we, as we learn, it's not exactly. But... There's hovering vehicles that look exactly like I would think they would look if we had them in our world. Weapons, just a blend of real... Robots looked... Robots that Pardon look- me, here comes the F word, but they were fucking amazing. I mean, amazing. I was watching them like, there can't be a person in there, but they move just like yeah, people. Yeah, like, capture. And then like- if it's CGI, but then if you watch District 9... I'm not carrying, comparing the movies, but the tech that he brings with him and whoever he... Hires to work the for him. Guys. Do they do the CGI? Yeah, they do the. Or do they do the hardware? They did the CGI as well, and and it's, for District Nine, it's amazing. Like you have never seen robots look at. I mean, AI or iRobot. iRobot. That's one thing. They yeah, they bit, look good, but they still look a bit. They don't look fake CGI, but they don't move like a natural. Human. Everything that's sci-fi in the real world on the Earth part yeah. looks like it should be there. Yes. Um, and we should say it's it's 2154, so we're talking about is. a long time in the future, 140 years in the future. So I really like, I, I love sci-fi. I got a, It's a real soft spot for me. I like it better than horror. It's just a thing that, I, that really connects to me. I like me too. the thought of the future, and and, it be, and I like looking for, oh, that technology is really close to our technology. You know, we're, I like seeing parallels to, our, to us. But and, what did I point out? <laughs> Oh, it's 140 years from now, and still everybody's using keyboards. Keyboard, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem because we're already trying to get rid of them right now in 2014. Yeah, 13. like speaking to stuff. But so, you know what it might be though. 150 years from now, we've, pi- we've tried and we've tried and we've tried, and it seems keyboards the best way. Like it, it is. You know, because we we have all this voice activation, and, and their programming looks very similar to what programming looks did, like it. now. It did. C colon still had that on there, but. Those are just holes that you don't want to poke too hard. Now, this movie, like District Nine, has a real like political message to it. Yeah, and it's it's social. It's message. most of its it's most of its core, and it really makes you. I, I felt on District Nine. It's the core. It's the fruit. It's the skin. Yeah. It's the stem. It's the tree. Now it's this the whole one, thing. and this is the reason I don't like this one as much. But I do like it because I love sci-fi. I'm, I'm just going to say, but it's not like a ten out of ten because of it. It. Has this political message and it has this amazing imagery, but when you boil down the actual what happens, it's a Hollywood movie. It's it falls into all the Hollywood things yeah, like let's have trapping. a fight, let's do some shooting, let's. It's 
less of a interesting story to me. And this movie, I have to say, has one of the bad guy in this movie, who's played by the hero of District Nine. Um, I, I I can't think of anything better than that. Oh, I disagree. I don't well, think he's that good. But to me. He blew me away. Every single shot he was in, every single scene, I was like, holy crap, that's amazing casting. Nobody knows that guy hardly, but that guy is like creepy as shit. He's violent. You know, who knows what he's going to do? Yeah. And I bought it, and there's there's a scene. Yep. it, It was unexpected, and I really loved everything revolving around him. But then, spoilers... Spoiler, do not listen to this if you have not seen the movie. Then it comes down to a fight and some falling, which I hate. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Hollywood trope that I just can't... And an explosion. Yeah, but I can't... It, it feels lazy to me mm-hmm. when, when you've got a bad guy. you know. And I know we're watching James Bond Even films. That was better. That was a subtle, yeah. slow, quiet thing for such a huge bad person in the movie to have it for them to go. There's one death in the movie that I liked because it was like, whoa, what, what, that, that was it? Mm-hmm. But not in a way where it was like, oh, I feel cheated. More like, that's kind of fair because she kind of deserved it. But so. you know, like 90% of the sci-fi films I see, this is right up there. I mean, it's, it's really top level sci-fi. It's just the story really falls into that. We've got to have a fight now. We've got to shoot each other now. You know, we got we got to do what Hollywood movies do. We've got two guys and exoskeletons. They have to fight each other. Yeah. And I like that kind of action, you know. Um, but it felt really shooed in there. Yep, yep. Where I was more like, no, let's have more of the political intrigue between these two places. Like, it's really interesting to me. But then they kind of back shelved that and then went for action but what did the actual director who wrote the movie say yeah he, I, and now I get he it he likes the action yeah. and the explosions bit, mo- 51% more, than, the more than he does the rest of, I mean he likes that 51% so then the it makes of, complete sense yeah. and that's the final words from the director in mm-hmm. the documentary that you see on the making of on the DV, on the blu-ray and then I was like mm-hmm. okay I understand now but what was you doing in District 9 because in District 9 yes it had its share of action but I felt more of the story. Because that was a comment on racism. Right. And, again, poverty and... A similar type of commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie, the visuals are, like, amazing. This guy was going to make the Halo movie. And this was, this is Obviously. almost like a Halo movie. I mean... I mean, it's Halo. obvious. Yeah. It's obvious. He, and he, he, he should make the Halo movie. But he's... No. We've got, we've got this now. Don't make two movies with a big circle in the sky. But, I mean, he said he got the inspiration from a picture from a 1970s yeah. National Philip Geographic. As well, something. And he said National Geographic had a picture of space with a circle in the sky. And that, that he thought of that later. Now, that may have been where Halo came from as well. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah, let's not have any more circles. But that's what Elysium is. It's this space like station in the sky. 2001. You know how it's round so that it does its own gravity and stuff. That's and it's what, a but it's paradise humongous. that you can go and live there. And oh, also the other thing uh, that is they have like these special beds. Mm. And you lie on this bed and it cures you of anything you've got. Broken bones, cancer, everything. You just lie on the bed, press the button and you're cured. Now that's 
relegated to people on Elysium, people on Earth, can't have that bed for some reason. I was thinking, why can't they just have a couple of those beds? Same Why can't Elysium send a couple of those beds down? And at least that would like <laughs> yeah. help some people. But no, there's none of that. So they're the holes that I was like, really? You know, but then that that's the political thing of rich people are selfish assholes and they just keep their elitist thing and, you know, let everybody else suffer. Um, that's his commentary. Yeah, that's the commentary. Because no person in that, in Elysium, on Elysium, has any never is compassionate or tries no. to help? Not one person. They it's just not like, forget that anything else. It's is not like around. there's even a movement on Elysium. No. To like uh, ease the pain of people on Earth or any. They, they, he introduces nothing of that sort whatsoever. So everyone in his mind who's but... <laughs> like the elite, closed up political wranglings people. You know, that's all there is up there. And everyone on Earth, then, is, like, dirt poor. There is no medium. No. no. And also, okay, here's a couple of holes. I'm just going to put this out there. It starts out by saying that the Earth has become so overcrowded... Right. ...that the rich people have to, have made their own place in space, it, like a space station to live on. If it's so freaking crowded, why does he have an apartment alone? She has an apartment alone? There would no... There would pretty be, small apartments. There would be no people living alone, though. If it's so overcrowded that people have to leave the planet... That they haven't found one patch of land somewhere to live on. So he needs to work on his, you know, because that's an easy one to poke a hole in. All of a sudden, the opening is it's so crowded. And then you see him laying in. It's not a tiny apartment. It's not like a one room. It's not like Fifth Element where he lives in a little, like a closet. You know how he lives in that little unit. That would be more understandable. This is like a whole apartment. And she lives in a whole apartment. So I had that one little glitchy thing there are a lot of glitches in this movie don't look for them no because overall it's an awesome like like I say sci-fi is just attractive to me I like to see another place and that's what Neil Blomkamp said he likes to take you somewhere this definitely takes you somewhere it takes you to this shitty earth version of earth and it takes you to this amazing um I actually think and I know it's expensive to do that Elysium part but we didn't really see enough. I mean, we saw, like, shots of Elysium from above. And, and said, oh. that stuff didn't look very real to me. So I felt like that I was one of the weaknesses. I it, it looked a bit like Avatar or something. Yes, like, like it looked this. too colorful. Yeah. But I know that was the idea. But it still looked... If we're going from grunge... Well, there was no story of anybody there. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't show us a family and, like, show us how amazing it was or anything. Like, it was just the political... Or give you any reason to have compassion for those people at all. There's one... One of my big complaints, and it's not about the look of that or anything, but I don't, other than the health thing, and people on Earth just want to get to Elysium. They want, they know you can get cured up there. That's the only thing. That's really the hook. Yeah. Because. They don't okay, want to go there is, to, uh, to, now to swim Now this is going to sound someday. really, this is going to sound really bad. But I am a person of middle class stature, right? Middle class, pretty much middle class. Maybe right in the middle of middle class. Maybe middle class, low. we own a house. We I own a house, yeah. you know, in a middle class neighborhood. I have a middle class yard. We I have no cow, rules we... about how high my yard needs to be. I don't have to paint my house a certain color. I don't have to have a certain kind of mailbox. So if I were to move in to a neighborhood or think to myself, ooh, I want to live up in that neighborhood on the hill, that gated community... Why can't I live there? Well, if I all of a sudden had a windfall and moved there, I wouldn't fit in there. 
I wouldn't cut my grass and I wouldn't have a black mailbox like they want and I wouldn't paint my door red like they want. I wouldn't fit there. So the idea that all human, all the earth people who are all dirty, all poor, all kind of like chaotic and as is like criminals. It paints it as everyone's a criminal, everyone's dirty, it's really dusty and gross. What are you going to do? Go up there and make it like that? Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and so, they, but they the never only, said in this film... Oh, but the only thing that needed to happen was we just want to demand that we get the same... We just need those... Care. All it means get. is we don't... Like, it didn't ever It didn't ever say, like, oh, Matt Damon's this, you know, like, struggling guy. And, oh, I strive to be on Elysium because it's so awesome and look at the blue skies. No, it never... Oh, that's the one I got from it, totally. No, I didn't think he wanted to be there for that. He wanted to be there. He only wanted to be there to um No, cure his himself. whole life he wanted to be there. Not just to get Well, sick. He, he thought that he was happy there. It wasn't because he had a, he could get a swimming pool or whatever. I know, but that's what I'm saying. People just wanted to go there, but it would ruin it. So that's one of the weaknesses unless of you, the unless script. They, unless they um, but there make isn't. you fit. But there isn't. That's not going to happen when you take... If you got a few thousand people and, like, how many billions of people on the planet now? That's not going to work. So that was one of the other little weaknesses, but... You know. Yeah, but it, it, there are. It's not as. But it's fantastical. It's a yeah, spectacle. Like, like I see District Nine as it's quite. It's it's a contained thing, and it's and the story really holds. This one, if you poke at it a bit, it it doesn't so much, and it and he, he's kind of moved into that Hollywood way of thinking. Whereas that one seemed ballsy to me. District Nine. It was more. Is this yeah. new filmmaker who's trying to do his own thing? This one feels like the studios maybe... He kind of hides behind his big message of the disparity. Right. Disparity? Yeah. Disparity between rich and poor. Right. Even in our own human existence as we live now. That's bigger than all the little elements that could come together to make a really, you know, so solid... This, so this one has that kind of ballsy edge to that to District 9. District 9 was all a ballsy edge to me. It was like, it was this roughneck new director comes in and makes this ballsy movie that everybody goes, holy shit. Like, the movie's not so... What do you mean ballsy? Ballsy as in the whole thing. Like, it's District 9. It's grimy. It's handheld. It's amazing special effects, but they're fitted in with the real world. And the message is really um, not something that a average audience usually gets hammered to them. It's this message about themselves. Like, it's... Whereas this one is... It has that... But it's minuscule. It's two percent of the thing, and the rest of it's this Hollywood trapping. Oh wow! I see it completely different. I see ninety-eight percent of it is hammering in your face, poor and rich. Well, the, yeah, but what I'm saying is the the granular idea of this filmmaker of being this, you know, re- rebellious kind of filmmaker, it's watered down quite yes, a bit in Elysium by that idea. By yeah. But he wrote it, so that's what he did. But it just feels less to me. It feel so it makes it feel more like. Another sci-fi film. Aside from, he has definitely got the eye for all this amazing... You can create a world and it look cool. The guns, everything. The weapons, the cars, the... You know? The cars? Yeah, I wanted to mention this because nobody else mentions this. And I like cars and I like looking at cars. So we're watching the movie and there's some flying, like, um, shuttlecrafts that go back and forth between because they have to fly out to to Elysium. And one of them... Rises Which up, William, and you say... Well, first thing I noticed was the colour scheme of the car, and I was like, 
That is very similar to the colour scheme of a Bugatti Veyron, which is the fastest car, fastest production car in the world. It was. And it's a car that, if you watch Top Gear, you'll see them drive. Top Gear UK, not Top Gear America. It's this amazing car that goes 250 plus mile an hour. It's a really fast car. Is that Italian? Yes, it is. And it's, it's just this amazing supercar that people talk about, and it goes very, very fast. And I was think looking at this car, and I was like, that paint scheme looks like... It's not a car. It's a hover... Flying hovercraft It's a, hovercraft it's a shuttlecraft, yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking, that looks like they designed that around a Bugatti Veyron. And then the, the camera pans around the back, and there's the Bugatti logo. So it's essentially like what, you know, Bugatti still exist. So now you're going to have to look up and see if they consult I want to see what I yeah. want to see what was their input, because... You know, they, it's sleek looking. It starts to take on, and William, and it's all stitched leather inside, just like a Bugatti Veyron. And William Fitchner is sat inside it, and he's the snobby kind of corporate. Oh, yeah. Who would have a car like that Germaphobe. or a shuttle like that? And um, the the voice inside the vehicle that talks says, "Ready to go to supersonic speed." And I was like, "Okay, so it's the best vehicle you could possibly imagine, right? That he's driving because well, he's the elite. That, he's assuming. the elite, elite, right?" Um, but nobody mentioned it. I was waiting in the extras, like, intently, and we even watched the extra that was about the design of everything, but nobody ever said anything, so I need to investigate <laughs> that, because it was a cool touch, because I was like, yes, those rich assholes, they're the people who buy Bugatti Veyrons, right? Nobody else does. They're millions of dollars. Two million dollars for one of those. Nobody buys that. It and if just, in 150 years they're still around, that's what they would that's be That's what doing. they would want yeah. to buy, right? The most expensive shuffle. I mean, they would still be making them. Right. You would think. So it was a cool touch, that. And it was not brought... No attention brought to it. It wasn't like somebody went, Hey, it's a Bugatti. No, it was just Like, a, I wouldn't know it. I don't a know. A little subtle thing that was, Oh, yeah, I understand that. So it was a really cool feat. So let's move on to the cast here. Matt Damon is the hero of this piece. You uh, like Matt Damon. I, do. I like Matt Damon. Um, I think he. I like him in all. I can't think of one I don't like, so that tells you there might be something I haven't liked him in necessarily, but I just always like his. Um, he's not the. Like, dun da da da, kind of superhero leading man. He's really subtle, and I was constantly reminded because the first part of the movie we see him as a young boy. He's yeah. poor, he's in an orphanage. Because he's got... I, that's what I assumed. He's in an orphanage. We don't see his parents. But he's just sort of this wide-eyed, getting in trouble, fighting with the boys. But he kind of falls for this little girl. And then he's devoted to her forever, because he just is. I but he's to, sort of innocent. I have to say, those scenes, I didn't particularly like the way they were filmed. I did, because it gave me a glimpse of who he was. I, I mean the actual look of them. Like, it was kind of like this... Dreamy, because he's dreamy. remembering back. Yeah, I know, but it was... I don't that know. made sense. I, there was something about the look of them. I, I wasn't but it was all just him, in moments of now, he would glim in his mind, he would go back. That's where I just assumed they looked like that. But then throughout the rest of it, once he's a grown man and we're watching him, I'm constantly reminded that he's not an overcomplicated guy. He was just that young boy who had problems following the rules, and he's totally, like, not just in love with this girl, who now is a woman or anything, but just, like well, yeah, I'm going to protect you forever kind of mind. And I just want to do something good or I just want to be better. Because even as an adult, he's on parole. and But he just wants to do better. 
And I kept remind, I kept seeing the little boy, and I thought that was really well executed. It's funny when you watch a movie like this where the message is um, the rich assholes or the rich, not all assholes, but the rich, rich people and the elite and us. Yeah. And when you got somebody like Matt Damon who actually could fit into both of those places because we see him as like, oh, he's a, he's a film star who's got gazillions of dollars, but also he seems to us like the everyman, like he's that kind of actor. Oh, I, I disagree with that a little bit because I see him as a multimillionaire actor all the time. But so. he could be in both places. Uh, no, I think he would be up on the Elysium. He definitely would, wouldn't he? And he'd have the but he favor. might be one of the people who quietly starts a movement right. <laughs> to somehow help the and people. And this film our- lacks that. And that was, there's no, like you said, there's no resistance on that planet. Yeah, uh, apart from a political uh, movement. If you think about it, this movie also, he has no, you know how when you watch um, Minority Report and stuff, they they hint at other mediums like um, t- like advertisements and movies and yeah. radio or you don't music. Have any of that, does it? Nothing. Apart there's from no mention of. <laughs> there's no branding, even like it's not. Well, that's not entertainment. Is I'm talking about like there's no anything like even on Elysium they're having parties. Yeah, it's not. They um, have golf course, but there's no like other entertainment. It's, it's very sparse. Yeah, it's not the like super. Not, yeah, life commercial. isn't very rich. It's either that you are so dirt poor that you go to work and slave away every day in a factory where you're making things like robots. For the police. You're making things to keep you in line. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is a science fiction. Or you're rich, trope. so rich that you're just walking around with a cocktail in your hand and you're playing golf all day. I mean, those are the only two extremes, and there's nothing and else. And that's very sci fi, isn't it? It's the um, broad strokes like of sci fi a lot of the well, time. Well, a lot of movies fill in a lot more than that. But So, secondly, we got Jodie Foster as Delacote. And I have to say, I dislike Jodie Foster. I think she was miscast in this movie. I, I like Jodie Foster generally. In this movie, I didn't like her at all. I, I just... I'll tell you why. I didn't give... Because of her bad voice. She, yeah, she also was doing a strange accent. Um, and that wasn't why I didn't like her. I didn't ever buy anything about her. I'll tell you why. Because you have no idea who she is. No. We're not told... Okay, can we get a glimpse of his childhood and hers? And you know, even with Fitchner, who's like... Instantly, you know that he's a snobby, yeah, germaphobe. just the way he moves and the way. And then he... you can get the idea that he's probably. I mean, my filled him with my brain. He's been on Elysium his entire life, and his parents were, and his grandparents were. He's a billionaire guy who runs a company who makes all the robots, all the security for the whole planet and everything, and for Elysium. So I, I fill all that in just from that little tiny bit of stuff with her. There is nothing. You don't get... She's very cold. She's... You don't get... Not just that, but, like, you don't know why she's cold. You don't know why she's, like, There's nothing. She's just a cartoon character. She's just... She's willing to kill anybody to protect Elysium. And that's it. Bottom line, there's nothing else to her. I didn't connect And the looping on her voice, and you said you didn't notice it. I don't know how you can't notice it. She did a... She did various accents yeah it. I, I, it didn't bother me because I assumed it was stylistic thing she was French sometimes she was a bit German then she was South African it was I never heard the German in the movie a bit of American. I only heard the German in the extras she was speaking uh, it just it was just an odd mix of accents and I was thinking well that's probably just a um, Elysium thing it's an international thing everybody's there you and notice different. who was not in any of the extras 
She wasn't, no. Never. And Matt Damon didn't really talk either, except when he was in the makeup. But he was on this. It was on the... At least he... But I think if she was given... If they... If you got any glimpse, even a home of her... A shot of her at home, or on the phone, or a video call from her children, or... There was nothing. Or a picture of children on the desk who died in some sort of horrible thing on the planet, and that's what made her so bitter. I know that sounds really trite, but we have nothing to go on. And then the bad looping of her voice, it didn't match what she was saying. It didn't match the sound of everything else. It was just terrible. I'll, I like her, too, so yeah, that I, was unfortunate. I disliked her in this. It wasn't... It could have been anybody else. It was not... Cartoony is a yeah. good answer. Good so, Shalto Copley plays Kruger. I fucking love that character. Oh, my God. You brought out the F word in you. You know when he's, like, roaming that, the... Hold on, people. That is rare. When he's roaming the land with his hood up. And he's this merc. He's a like an embedded mercenary. Like <laughs> um, I'm not sure about that, but well, that's what she called. Like, don't bring out the embedded people. Like what? Like those agents? You're not supposed to use them. He's like an agent. Is it? He's wandering. He's this rough mercenary dude. Um, Criminal. Yeah, almost. You know, the character he plays in District Nine is this weak kind of worker for the government. Like he's, he's a. a Yep, he's a bureaucrat. Yeah. Really, really weak, really quiet. This guy is like a complete badass dude. You wouldn't mess with him. He's like a... I'm not sure about that. I mean, I wouldn't say badass without explaining. He's also been a convicted rapist and murderer. Yeah. And now he works silently for the government. So he's like this psychopath, mercenary, um, military dude. Machine, yeah. Yeah, like a, almost like a robot, but he's not like... <laughs> um, and he was creepy, like totally creepy. At first, I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure, even sure." Like he's just, work, he's just a, you know, an agent for these people. And then I was like, "Oh no, he's like a complete cock," and he's, <laughs> yeah, a rapist and a, a, a woman um, beater and all these things. Like, and and he, he slowly like, turns into this ultra kind of bad horrible. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I bought him every second. He they didn't. He just uses his South African accent. I thought it added tons to that character. It was like, it seemed unfamiliar. It seemed creepy the entire time. He uh, when he was just like sniffing that woman. It was just mm-hmm. weird. Like he was just. I I was blown away by him. This it's not Matt Damon that makes this movie for me. It's that guy, and mm. you know I want to see him. I want to see more stuff. We we really haven't so far. I mean, he was in the A-Team movie as Murdoch. And he was in District 9 and this. But I'd like to see him in more stuff. I don't... Did you like him as much as I did? It was just... Like, it made the movie for me. It I was, liked that he was uncontrollable. There was no hint of him. There was no good side of him. But then, again, the same thing plagued him. That I only know that he's horrible. He's got a past as a psychopath and a rapist. I know nothing else about him. But I'm convinced... So everything he did had to fall in line with this, like, I don't want one moment of weakness. I don't want one moment of compassion. I don't want anything to turn around. And there never was. So that I liked. Um, And you're right about the one deleted, the extended scene. Yeah, it made him seem like Yeah, it's a little too fun. He he wouldn't be fun, would he? No, he would, if he were his henchman and you mouthed off to him, he'd just slice you in the throat. Like, he wasn't going to joke around with you. No, he's not a joker. He's not a one-liner kind of guy. He's none of that. He's just going to kill you, and that is it. And get pleasure out of it. Yeah. It was not... It wasn't even like... It was just fine with No, because the first time he's called into action, and he has to... I'm not... No spoiler here, but he has to do something. 
there's no emotion about that. And what he's doing is, like, horrendous. Here's another hole for you. Okay, if people on Earth... And this is probably true now. Like, well, no, because we don't have that much of a thing. But if there are people on Earth who can manufacture the little burned-in stamp that makes you... That says you're allowed to go to Elysium. Because right. you have to be a citizen of Elysium with this burned-in thing on your arm that then connects to your DNA so it can't... Then it's you just can you. use the machine that heals Then you. you can go there, it identifies you by your face, yeah. and it knows that you're allowed there. But people on Earth have this ability. They have the ability, they it's have all the tools, yeah. they can forge every document, they've stolen vehicles, and yet they just sell these things to other people. Wouldn't the criminal guy do it himself? Yeah, you can't look into it. This not... I know, but I'm just saying, like, that's a huge, like, you know, he's got every tool to make himself. And yes, getting there is part of the problem because they will detect you. And but you yeah, <laughs> but there again, if you're, yeah, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to because yeah, you can turn up in a ship outside Elysium and you can all have the correct stamps. But they know that you're all up to... Like, well, suddenly all these people are turning up. Like, you're not... It's... And let's also make it very clear that other than the president, who I think may be Indian... President Patel. Pakistanian. Like, it's from that... Um, yeah. Your um, Asian part of the world. He's the only person of any color whatsoever on Elysium that I found. And I was looking hard. They were all white. Yeah, pretty much. Pretentious, super slick looking, and, that and was everyone the, uh, on message. Earth, except for Matt Damon, every single person that they show you on Earth is a person of a different nationality. We have everything except white people. Yeah, pretty so much. So that was another big statement. I felt like I think it was very was, obvious. I think that was the, I want to really Yeah, but it's also point. really insulting that if you leave the planet, if all the white people leave the planet, then it goes to shit. I think that's a really horrible thing to say about society. Any society. So I was a little bit like, I don't think he thought that through. He was only trying to say, look who the elite assholes are and look who everyone is who has to suffer. But it didn't come off that way fully to me. William Fick- Fickner, Fickner played John Carlyle. He's this this... We just saw him last week, and he was a great bad guy in that. And in this one, he's this kind of, yeah, like you say, he's, the, he's a multi-millionaire... Weasel. Weasel. Yeah, literally a weasel. Don't breathe on me. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of his lines. Don't breathe on and me. And he's got... And you know, he looks in on a woman and a child and says, kill them. Yep. Kill them and like, ugh. I don't like, want to get my uh, upholstery messed up in there, so just get... An yeah. Yeah, he's an absolute thick. <laughs> but his um, character is so opposite of last week's because he was in Lone Ranger as well. So that's, I, I've always liked him. He just does that one right thing, I think. Diego Luna plays Julio, or Julio, sorry, Julio. Um, who is a friend of Matt Damon's. I like him too. You'll have seen, you've seen him in, um, what was the movie with Tom Hanks in the airport? The Terminal. That is correct. Yeah. Um, and Argo. He was in. Correct. But, uh, yeah, he's the friend, and he uh, is pivotal in the, you know... Executing plot. the plans. Yeah. Uh, and then I put down, finally, Alice Braga as Frey, and that's... I like her. ...his um, friend, girl. And I think she's very convincing, and she has to work with a child, and they have to work in a situation where lots of foul language is being thrown at her, and running and carrying, and the girl has to be pretending to be... Like pass out or in a coma all the time, and I thought that this woman not only is she good, like in every time she's talking, but that whole thing I thought was like kind of masterful 
Because if you think about it, you got movie scene going on and running in the dust and people pretending to shoot at you and people yelling and you're carrying this little girl and you have to be like, you know, calming to her and all that. And those just scenes thought, with uh, Kruger where he's being he's an absolute knob to them. <laughs> yeah. And he tells, like he yeah. just said, I don't want to... Uh, I don't believe in violence in front of children, so close your fucking eyes. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then, then proceeds to punch a woman in the face. It's like, yeah. ugh. So, uh, directed by Neil Blomkamp, as we said before, he did District 9. He also did this short film called Alive in Joburg, which was the thing that Peter Jackson saw on YouTube. And it was a, it was a little short film, and it was set in Johannesburg, and it was an alien invasion. And it looks very similar to District 9, but kind of cheaper. Um, Peter Jackson saw that, and then District 9 became um, a thing. Uh, so he gave him his start. Like, in his... I think we want to watch District 9 again. But um, yeah, I think this guy's really cool. I don't want him to go down that Hollywood route, though. I want him to stick to more, like, you know... Keep his aesthetic. Yeah, definitely keep fill the aesthetic. In, fill in your story some more. Fill in a lot more details. And don't fall for the Hollywood, like, you've got to do a fight here, you've got to do a chase But it sounds like, to me, that. that's his goal. It does sound like is that. Is to have lots of fights and blowing up and shit like that. So that's where the story falls through the cracks a little bit. So, Blu-ray extras here, and there are quite a few, and we did watch a lot of them. Um, I thought we watched them all. There's an extended scene, which is that scene where it it's Kruger. It's a good scene if you like Kruger, but then you'd be like, eh, no, it's a bit too cheeky. Um, there's visions of two th- 2001... Two, two th- 2154. 2154. Visions of 2154, which is uh, it's art and design, and you can skip through. It's like loads of... That's a good question, because you and your British cohorts keep saying 2013. Well, what do you say about that? 2154, I would have said. The year 2154. Yeah, it's very long-winded and very British. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you also have the journey to Elysium, which is like a big making-of, and it's it's in three parts. Envisioning Elysium, Capturing Elysium, and Enhancing Elysium. It's really good, actually. It's about an hour long. There's lots of on-the-set on stuff with Matt Damon showing you and getting his makeup and his uh, exoskeleton <laughs> fitted. Um, lots of... How it came to be. It's, I liked that as as far as a making of goes. Uh, they filmed a lot of it on this um, garbage dump. In Mexico City. And it looked pretty nasty. Uh, there's also the visual effects of Elysium, which I really like, but they didn't mention that Bugatti, so I give it less points for that. There is a... There's a lot of stuff, actually. It's a bunch of featurettes, but there's no commentary, which... Uh, I like to pop this in again during the week and listen to the commentary. And there isn't one. And I would have liked to hear this one. So, um, there's a bunch of stuff. It's a good movie. Um, in conclusion, I'd recommend it. It's a fun one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's fun. It's got horrible things. Don't poke the holes in it. <laughs> Just enjoy it for what it is. And if you liked District 9, you, I think you would like it. It's. I don't know about that. I don't know about that mindset. But I do think that if you like... I don't. I disagree with that because I think people who really would love District Nine wouldn't be the ones like you. You're more open-minded. You can accept them both. This one's going to feel a way less independent than District Nine did. Yeah. So I don't. This agree has with that. enough good things for me um, that I looked over the rough parts, and there's no rough parts. It's an absolutely amazing-looking, sounding movie. I'm well, talking there about are rough parts. Story, story parts yeah. that are a bit rough. So uh, thanks to Sony for the Blu-ray. Uh, you can go to ascoli.com. There are some contests on there right now. 
Next week's Blu-ray review will be uh, Kick-Ass 2. Uh, I loved Kick-Ass immensely. So is that the first... Why are you looking up? I'm just pointing out that it'll be the first review of the year. Yes, it will. The first movie of the year will be Kick-Ass 2. Um, I loved Kick-Ass immensely, so I'm looking for... We should just watch both, actually. I agree. We do a double bill. I agree. Um, Not that I loved Kick-Ass as much as you, but... You might like it more. You know what? I've watched it several times. I've picked up the Blu-ray and watched it, and I have liked Kick-Ass more each time. But you didn't dislike the things I disliked, so those aren't things that are going to bother you. You're just going to like the things you like more. Yeah. And I'm probably going to dislike the things I dislike more. But I would be happy to watch it again. Um, so the movie game, movie year, what is this? This is the last time we're doing it. So you're going to have to come up with a new game. It's not the last time. It is. It's our last show of the year. Oh, okay. Right? We do it, a new game for the new year. All right. <laughs> was that not your plan? No. It was just the plan was just to do this one forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to do this All one right, forever. All right, movie. Movie year is I say a movie. And then you have to dredge up from your brain when that movie was released. And then you give me one as well. So I will give you mine first. Your movie's up at the top. Mine is, and you're going to guess it right away, Wizard of Oz. Because, I'll tell everybody, I did alphabetical order. So my movies, if you've been listening week after week after week, went A, B, C, D, da, 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 in alphabetical order. And this is a W. I don't, I don't know this, but I, oh, really? this is my guess for it. 1927. Think about this. What just came out recently that you bought me last year? <laughs> recently. Was it last year or the year no, It was a couple of years ago. Um, 75th 70. anniversary. Oh, I thought it was 70. All right. It was 1939. All right, it was way too early. <laughs> All right, mine is based on this week's movie. Mm. And it's a movie starring Jodie Foster, and it's a sci-fi movie. And it's Contact? Called, yes, amazing movie, actually. Contact. Um, I'm going to say 2000. Nope. 1997. Oh. Robert Zemeckis damn. movie. It's really, really good. That's Jodie Foster weird. in a it's good movie. It's a little weird. Yeah, so and I like that it's a little yeah, weird. Yeah, don't think that you're going into a Jodie Foster sci-fi movie with anything less than a little bit of weirdness. And that's what I really like about it. It threw me. I had no idea what was coming. It's and methodical. It's like a paced movie that has its little... You gotta just take it. You just gotta let it wash over you. So, movie recommendations for this week. I will give you two based on Elysium. My first one would be Johnny Mnemonic because this Shocking. movie has some strains of Johnny Mnemonic in it. Absolutely, a little bit of Johnny DNA in there. Yeah, and also Starship Troopers because this movie also has some Starship Troopers in it. I think, and that would be the the way the world is like organized, like. I don't mean the rich and the poor, but I mean like this, you know, um, what you call it? Military presence on, on everything. Mm. Like to keep people in line, to keep the war, you. you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's an amazing movie, Starship Troopers. Some people dismiss it as this like silly comedy movie. It is kind of, it's, it's tongue in cheek. Because it's, ba- it's like, they're trying to be like one of those 1950s kind of monster from outer space kind of movies. But the political message in that movie is really heavy and quite... And then the shit gets real. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Uh, Elysium has this same kind of message. And mine are, and usually I don't go for the obvious choice, but I'm going to say District 9. And if we've been mentioning this movie and the whole time you've been going, what are they talking about, District 9? I haven't never even heard of that, which a lot of people will not have heard of District 9. So I'm going to recommend that one. And 
as I went through my list, we've been both going on IMDb lately and putting every movie we've ever seen on lists. And one of them I came across that I had checked off. And I was like, oh, yeah, Eagle versus Shark. It's really, Shark. really funny. It's really funny. It's really... It's uh, from... The guy who's in it is from... Jermaine St. Clement. Right. And he's from... Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. And it's kind of like... Uh, I don't know. You have to it's just, just really funny. It kind of reminds like. me of Ghost World kind of a vibe. You know, that kind of movie. And it's really, really funny. It makes me want to watch that again. <laughs> it does. Because you... Yeah. <laughs> There's like weird uncomfortable moments and like... Eh, it was before really Flight sweet. of the Concords. It's really sweet. Like really sweet movie. It is. So, this... Um, Games and Ace Scully stuff is not Games and Ace Scully stuff this week. We do this once a year. It's our top five movies of the year. Quote unquote five. Quotation marks. We both picked five movies of the year. And I'm not talking about every movie that came out this year. I'm talking about movies that we reviewed on this show. So we have 52 movies to choose from. And we pick them. And we're going to do them from five to one. And we're going to... I'll do my five. My first one. Which would be... (laughs) We also have a number six. So let's do the number six first. And what the number six is for me is my worst movie of the year and my most disappointing movie of the year. I've done two for my number six. So my first one is Getaway. Which for was your the worst movie. The worst year. movie of the year that we have watched. It was not <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. It was terrible, terrible. And my most disappointing movie of the year is World War Z. Mm-hmm. Because I expected some awesome zombie movie. And it was not an awesome zombie movie. It was really lackluster. And I was like, wow. Uh, is that it? Yeah. You know, 28 Days Later is a way better movie. It wasn't as bad as Getaway in terms of like movie watching experience. It was a experience. well-made movie. It but was it just... was just like, oh, I yeah. want Walking Dead all over again. I know. No, I, mean, I'm not, like I, I mean, I'd rather go watch Walking yeah, Dead again. Yeah, like 28 Days Later is this small, independent movie. And it was blows it away. Like, it's just... it. it you don't need $250 million to make a zombie movie, I guess. And I'm sure this will not come as a surprise to anyone. I'm not adhering to the five and one thing, but I'll be quick, so don't worry. So my number six, quote-unquote... Worst movie. The, the three worst movies for me were Getaway, Gangster Squad, and The Purge. Because oh. each one of them was like, I actually, as I'm watching them, did not want to be watching them anymore. Not because it was like offensive or anything it was just so freaking boring half the time and i remember thinking if i got up right now i don't usually bail on movies but if i were a bail kind of a person i'd be like you know dude you can finish this one i don't i'm not interested so all three of those gangster squad the purge which had kernel of okayness but no no the purge had a really good concept i thought and that was what very interesting concept but there again ethan hawk has been in two of the worst movies of the year Oh, you're right. <laughs> was he in Gangster Squad? No. <laughs> I liked Gangster Squad. Actually. I didn't like I it I thought it was all. just fun. I mean, kinda. I think it had it's uh, things that I probably, if I listened to back what I said, there would be, but the the main thing I remember is I could have bailed halfway through and I would have been right. fine. So movie number five. Your best Yeah, I'm going to go for my, this is my fifth best movie of the year and it's a movie we watched towards the beginning of the year and it's called Compliance. It still sticks with me to this day. It's this creepy, real, true-life tale. Based on true-life tale. um, That is, because of it being real, and because of the way it was portrayed, with that amazing woman who played the uh, manageress, Mm -hmm. um, 
it just creeps me the shit out it still does. to this day. So that's compliance. A memorable, crawls in your brain kind of movie. Number five, compliance. <laughs> and my number five is going to be three movies again. Compliance. This is really... Uh... Compliance fits in there. Life of Pi and Two Guns. Because those all have, in my mind, a similar of my remembering of goodness. Two Guns, I thought was awesome. Compliance, creepy as shit. And Life of Pi, an ethereal... It wasn't one of the best, best, top of the top of the chain, but it had that. So for me, Two Guns, Life of Pi, and Compliance. My number four movie of this year was Mr. James Bond in Skyfall. Um, Roger Deakins becoming my favorite cinematographer. Um, <laughs> and he, he did that. And Sam Mendes directed. And I think Bond has been getting steadily better and better over the these new ones with Daniel Craig. They're just really good action Bond movies, you know. And, you know, I got the Bond 50 set from you for you Christmas. Did. So we're in the midst of re-watching all the Bond we're films. working our way to Skyfall. Where uh, Goldfinger is our next one. Goldfinger! But yeah, Skyfall is an amazing looking, and I actually really like the story, the body, the whole thing of this one. Uh, and they and set it sadness up, and excitement. And they set it up at the end to make it some interesting things to come. So, yeah, yeah I really liked it. Skyfall. And my number four is going to include three movies. And after that, they're just one at a time. But To the Wonder, End of Watch, and Lincoln. All high quality. To the Wonder is one of those kind of different... It takes a certain kind of movie person or story person to really get into it. But I, Malik, it's a, you know, Affleck, and I don't know if anyone knows what we're talking about. To the Wonder. Olga Kurienko. Yes. It's just... It takes you to a different kind of place than most movies. Um, end of Watch, because I remember just thinking, like, well, it's just quality all the way through. It was amazing, that movie. It like was a handheld shocking, cop movie. But it wasn't overly handheldy, and I love Gyllenhaal guy, and just awesome. And then Lincoln, because it's just a solid look at the story. You know, what we could never know for real. But it was based on some real letters and documentation and whatnot. But it was just a solid, you sit back and just want to soak it all up kind of movie. So those are my number four. So number three for me this uh, year is Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. (laughs) Um, I'm blown away by what they did with Superman. I said to you when we were reviewing Man of Steel, I, I just can't tell you how much I love this movie. Everything. Music. The actor, the you know, the new Superman, um, everything, Lois Lane, the whole thing, I just thought was really, and I love Zack Snyder, and he did it in his Zack Snyder way. Um, I'm looking forward to the Man of Steel two. Uh, so that's my third best movie of this year. My third is Prisoners, which we just watched a couple weeks ago. It's absolutely the, in terms of the best cast and the best performances. You know, the only thing that keeps it from my top is just the, I don't know, it's weighed down by the gravity of it. And it's so good. It's not for everybody, but it's a memorable, well-made movie. Yeah, it's definitely. loved it. Number two for me (laughs) is The Place Beyond the Pines, which is Ryan Gosling's in it. Um, That whole first section with Ryan Gosling, I think, is an amazing it, I don't really like the last third of Place Beyond the Pines, but I think it sticks with you as a movie. It's the atmosphere, the music, the it's kind of a dark tone to the whole thing that mm-hmm. 
Um, it's, Very dark. It still stuck with me. It reminds me of Drive in a way. It kind of, like, that stuck with me. Like, I can't. It'll never mm, go away. Let me think. Because he's a quiet, brooding guy who drives a vehicle a lot. Yeah, that sounds a lot like Drive. I thought it was amazing. Um, the Place Beyond the Pines, I'm sure not everybody saw it, but seek so it out. So that's your number two. Now, in pretty stark contrast to that, my number two might surprise everyone. But it's Monsters University. Because I freaking love that movie. I had a humongously great time. I, I was totally sucked into it. I loved it. It was sweet. It was sentimental. It was good to look at. And I just... I remember the experience of watching it. I was thrilled. Because she was really creepy. The bug lady. The lead Helen Mirren lady. Wasn't that Helen Mirren who yeah. did the voice? And... I don't know. I think I love Monsters, Inc. I think, it was, so, a, I think it was a really good Pixar movie. Really? I mean, for my year of remembering movies, it's one of the ones that I actually just remember off the top of my head because I really enjoyed it. And I know I can watch it ten more times. And I think that's, for a fun, sweet movie, that's a, a sign of something that makes it one of my top two movies of all time. No, oh, no. Of the year. <laughs> Not of all time. My, of all time. My number one movie for this year would be pretty controversial for a lot of people, I'm sure. But it's yeah. Harmony Kareen's really? Spring Breakers. Um, for your whole year, all those movies we've mentioned, that's the best one. I went through and I carefully deliberated and, like Drive last year, leaves a Im- lasting impression on me. Because of its difference to other movies the way it's portrayed Spring Breakers is not if you look at the cover for Spring Breakers that is not what the movie is inside the box and it's a special it's a weird type of movie it's whoever they aimed it to for the advertising are not the people who would enjoy it I would imagine because I really enjoyed it a lot I, I think it's like it's one of those movies that I can't put my finger on it's it's weirdly uncomfortable and it's stylistically something that I kind of latch onto. I like that the style of it. It's this neon kind of weird dream. Highly indulgent, that kind of style. Um, <laughs> I didn't dislike it necessarily, but I really definitely. enjoyed James Franco's performance. You know what? I would if he could be nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Oh my god! Are you serious? I would. Um, no, I think it was a, a fantastic performance. I, it's. So far and away from what he is. Yeah, but it's so cartoony. It wasn't a quality performance. I I disagree. Completely. It was like, other than a couple of scenes where it seemed more genuine, the rest of it was just him dicking around with it, like, almost. Because it's so outrageous. The movie's extremely creepy. Yes. Um, I I don't know. It's just... I I won't forget that movie. And a lot of movies that you see, it's just like... And you're saying it's better than my number one movie, which I'm about to record, which I'm about to tell you. Um, better than this for me, it's my movie of this year. I know, but it's better than this. My my number one movie of the year is Flight, uh, and yeah, that is because to me it is the entire time. It's not colorful, it's not flashy. It is a deep, dark, internal kind of movie about addiction and about this, you know, Denzel Washington pilot plane crashes horrible horrible thing and then coping with that on top of addiction on top of relationships on top of sort of this lifestyle of you know i don't know just complete and utter self-absorbedness and i just felt like it was i think if i look down the list other than prisoners 
and Lincoln. Those are also super high quality, but Flight stands out to me as a very kind of a personal look at something. I thought it was my number one of the ones we've seen. That Do, we've doing these um, lists, when I have to deliberate through them, like I've been doing this week, I kind of see the kind of movies I like. <laughs> yeah, me like too. the ones that really stick on me, like Paul Thomas Anderson movies, Spring Breakers, um, Drive, Place Beyond the Pines. There's something yep. similar to them when you look at them. It's I don't for me it's some kind of it's an intangible though. I, I I can say, well, no, they're kinda of similar in tone. But But see when you look at mine and I've got Monsters University mixed in there and Two Guns is mixed in there, which is more yeah, of a Yeah, and then frivolous. I'll throw Man of Steel in there, but then right. I really love Zack Snyder's movies, so that's another thing. It's like, it, you know, I... It is hard to define, and that's when people say, oh, I don't like dramas. Ugh, I don't want anything that makes me think, or ugh, I don't like stupid comedies. Or, or I don't you want know, superhero movies, but... Yeah, and you're like, yeah, but, oh, <laughs> you know... There's a whole range of... I can definitely take any type. There are a few types that I... Uh, Not true, less... because you have seen trailers and you automatically go, ugh, I don't want to Yeah, see that. there are a few types, like I say, that um, they just turn me off because I know I'm not going to like it. Like um, some musicals. But not you don't all. know, because you don't know. Or it's just not my thing. Like um, some wacky comedies that I see a trailer for. You know, I've watched American Pie and things like that. They're not my favorite movies. Some of them I see a trailer and I but go... But then you like things like Due Date and Knocked Up, and those are wacky That's what comedies. I mean, so I, have to, I give them a go. Like, But there are, on occasion, I see a trailer, and you know the kind of trailer that you know you have just seen the trailer that shows you the entire movie, because you can tell. And then I go, that trailer's kind of enough of that for me. That's how I feel about it. But then again, I could go on and watch it and it'd be my favorite thing Exactly. Ever. I wonder what the trailer for Spring Breakers was like. <laughs> I think we watched it. I don't think it would be a movie I would be into, though. I think we watched it on the extra. Did they sell it in a different way, or did they? can't remember, but I think we did, or it was on there, at least. I, I imagine if I saw the trailer to that, I would be like, huh. Because I don't think they would have sold it as what it is. Because they didn't on the box. They didn't at all, really. So that's our movies of this year. Um, look forward to disagree next year. Disagree if you choose to disagree. True. These are just very personal. We will allow you your little opinions. That is fine. And these were I'm based on the movies. I'm going to pat you on the head while you say your little opinions. Based on the movies that we'd seen uh, and we reviewed on this show. So any of those movies we talked about, you can go back and listen to our Have reviews. Have we even seen other ones this year? We're pretty much limited. Yeah, we've seen some other ones. We've seen Bond this year. We've seen... That doesn't count. No? No. Um, all right, Sid Talk. Let's wrap this thing up. What's for dinner? What was for dinner is what we're going to talk about. Over the course of the year, I make a note every week of what we, you know, quick little note of what we were having that night. And this year, 13 times we had veggie burgers from Morningstar. 13 out of 52. That's a pretty high percentage, I think. Four times we had tofu. That's not too bad, but we have tofu a lot of other times. And then 33 mentions of veg or vegetable or veggie. Now that means like, and that doesn't mean like, because if I say we're having carrots and peas, that's not what I mean. I mean... 
33 times I mentioned either veggie chili, veggie lasagna, veggie burger, veggie dog, veggie sausage, veggie bacon, something like that. 33 out of 52 times. And if you've listened to this show long <laughs> enough, you'll know we don't eat meat. <laughs> so that'll explain that. Um, How many mentions of meat, though? Because we've probably said we don't eat meat a lot of times. Well, I don't keep track of every word we say. I don't have a transcript of every show. But um, as for tonight, we're going to have cream of asparagus soup, some pasta, some veggie bacon, <laughs> and... There was something else, but I forget now. Oh, carrot, uh, corn, and peas. And your final advice for the year for everybody? Don't let yourself disappear in your relationships. Now, people out there will know exactly what I mean. Don't be a nothing. And I don't mean that in a horrible, disparaging way. I mean, you love video games. I love art. I didn't adopt and, and, and absorb your love of video games when we got together. Because I don't love video games. I don't care about them. You don't play video games. No, I don't care about it. But I don't need to take it on and and erase or like hold back something of my own because I want to fit in better with you or impress you or spend more time with you as a result of saying, well, I love video games too, so I'll play Call of Duty with you. Even if in my mind I'm like, oh my god, I hate this game. But yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, to me that means you're disappearing. True. I love art. Now, that doesn't mean that you have decided to be an art person ever at all. We both love movies. That's kind of our connection. But I don't I don't take on, like, I won't sit there and watch Ron Burgundy 50 times with you. Now, there are women and men. <laughs> I actually do that sometimes. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't sit there and go like, oh, sure, honey, I'll watch something with you. And you won't sit in there and watch Star Trek with me. And you won't sit in there and watch my Christmas movies with me, all of them necessarily. So you don't, you don't disappear into the other person. If you genuinely are inspired to like something... That the other person's interested in. I think you, you gen- probably- I think you genuinely like watching me play The Walking Dead yes. or Last of Us. Those are video games. But, you enjoy what? But it's what, not me. You don't want to play it. No. But you enjoy yeah. it. Because I like entertainment. Right. I like storytelling. And it is like watching a movie. Exactly. If you- and you probably wouldn't have absorbed yourself at all in any art. And yet I look around and you've bought that piece of art. And you have that painting I made for you. And you have that thing over there that you wanted to make into art. Those like cards True. from Nintendo. Which I don't know that you... Probably not. Right. So you sort of get inspired by the other person's stuff. But if you feel like you've got nothing... Like, if someone says to you, what are your hobbies? Mm, nothing. Yeah, um, I don't, don't ever get that, personally. I don't do When anything. somebody says that to me, and like, I say, and I what do to... you do, then? Oh, nothing. <laughs> like, like, you do nothing And you've ever? done that, re- not recently, but in the last year or so, you, a person that you knew when you were know, kids, and you say, oh, do you like movies? No, not really. They didn't you, like anything. I tried to... He I, sits at the pub and drinks a beer and goes home and watches this football, but he's not really that into soccer. He said he anymore. likes beer, drinking beer in the pub and watching football, but not really following football, just watching football. So I said, what do you generally do then? Like, what? And what else was there? His life was miserable. Yeah. And I just think, I'm not telling everyone that you have to find a hobby or anything, but there's something in every person. There's so many things, though, and... <laughs> yeah. And your thing doesn't have to be the thing that the person you're with is interested in unless the person is, like, all of a sudden you realize, oh, my God, I do love playing video games. Holy shit. But it has to be on your terms. I have a friend online, Epic Conspiracy, (laughs) at Epic Conspiracy. You can follow him on Twitter. 
Oh, he likes guy. most things that I do dislike with an intently dislike. He loves wrestling, <laughs> football, sports, romantic, soppy movies, that kind of thing. There's lots of things that he loves that is so against what I would like, and I'm probably the same for him, right? But we like video games, both of us, and we talk about video games. But I have nothing against somebody like liking wrestling because. And it also doesn't mean that you don't feel obligated because now he's I don't need to be into wrestling. Right. You don't have to be like, oh, yeah, I can talk about it. But I think that's a a proper friend when they go, oh, you love wrestling or you love, uh, you know, he probably hates something that I like. British music. I would never listen to British music. But so what? Like, you love wrestling. If you ever speak to me about wrestling, I will know nothing about it, and I will never even seek out wrestling. Exactly. I will never seek it out. That's no. my point. You have, just, to, just to appease you so I know who it is. And that's the heart of that problem. Yeah. That I'm not going to start watching baseball or keeping track of whatever thing. It, I mean, I don't know. I only know stuff about video games and the computer world because I hear you watching YouTube videos, and I kind of or osmosis. telling you. Yeah, even then I don't really listen that close all well, the time. Really... <laughs> I mean, I I'm let you I let listen. you tell it to me, but it doesn't this Oh, and everything I say soaks into your brain, does huh? it? What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I know that, you know, in the past I might have had this issue with one relationship. This dude that I lived with, he was crazy, and I mean crazy. And I tried, I was only 20, so I think I tried Oh, well, he's the crazy musician guy who wants to just hang around in his house and have people come over and da-da-da-da. Okay, I'll be that person. I'll be, like, the hippie chick kind of just hanging around and I don't know how to describe every detail of it. But it wasn't me. I was just doing it like, oh, he'll like me more. He'll accept me more. And then it took very little bit of time. (laughs) Very short period of time. Maybe a month or two. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I want to go to movies all the time. Well, to him, movies were an elitist, um, Hollywood brainwashing everybody bullshit thing, right? So I had stopped watching movies for that period of time because of what he thought about movies. And then I was like, I can't. So I would secretly go to movies. And then I started being like, I'm going to a movie and I'm not hanging around with you and your loser musician friends who aren't doing shit all day. I don't get it. I'm not this person. So I think that's where I lost that. Because after that, I never really, never can't, you know, succumb to it again. So, so before we wind all this up, let's, uh, we didn't mention this. So what did we uh, get for Christmas? I got, uh, what did you get? I got this. True. Did everybody see that? It's a brand new camera. You can't see it's a microphone. And if they only listen to this and they don't follow me on anything else, they don't know that I love to take pictures of everything, including myself a lot. So you gave me a brand new camera that has so many features, like the Wi-Fi thing and being able to look at it on the tablet and send um, send it straight to my Facebook. email or yeah anything I want straight away. And it's fantastic. I love it. I haven't even explored it fully yet. But what I'm else did you get? I got Star Trek 365, books? they're called. All right. Star Trek 365 for the original series and Next Generation. Every single page is like a, a photo or a scan of stuff from the production Props of the movies or... yeah and then an explanation on the other page of someone wrote writing about it. writers and producers and directors of the show and these books it. are beasts they weigh like five <laughs> like, pounds when i opened i was like when i picked up the packs it's like <laughs> oh it's heavy and they're huge they're like coffee book tables yeah, but they're really they big they're like two bricks stuck together yeah that's how big they are True. and then 
Um, you got a huge memory card for your camera. I, I did. Probably know yeah, to me that kind of goes together. The yeah. camp you also got a nice... I also got a new zombie for the window. What are they called? Pop something. They got big head. Those little pop rubbery figures. zombie. I have a Funko. Plans. Funko. Right. I have a Plants vs. Zombie one from last year, and now I have what I think you called a real life zombie Walking from Walking Dead. Dead. <laughs> like, like there's real life zombies, but he's got a screwdriver and he's his more eye. like real flesh looking. He's very cool. And oh, what else did you give me? You got a case for your camera. Yes. What'd you get? I got a. Uh, charging stand for my PlayStation 4 controllers and a controller to go on it so it which is really awesome by the way that is one of the best presents to buy me because awesome. I play video games all the time and charging controllers is just part of video and games and it's so funny because I had bought them in the store a couple weeks ago and just the day before we opened packages you said oh I'm getting this controller because it's not. And then I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! He's gonna go buy one. He's gonna go online right now and buy it for." I himself. almost did at some point, but then went. Uh, maybe it'll be cheaper sometime or whatever. I, so, but yeah, it's awesome. And I got a new DualShock Four controller, so now I have two. So I'll never be out of batteries. I also got um, a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> action figure from <laughs> Grindhouse. I have this other Grindhouse Planet figure. Terror. From Planet Terror, yeah. The Grindhouse. Uh, but I also have a... She's called Cherry with the uh, machine gun leg. Yep. I have a figure of her. Now, now I've got Quentin Tarantino as rapist number one. Which is horrible. But <laughs> he's, like, he's a creepy character. But the reason I got it was, A, it was half price. And don't know how popular Quentin is as a figure. And because it just looks exactly like him. Like his face is Quentin Tarantino's face, which I thought was amazing. I also got the Bond 50 Blu-ray set, which I've always wanted. It's all... F- I was going to say all 50. Somebody. Since you were a little kid, you wanted that? I've always wanted it. <laughs> Since, Since they it came out. Yeah. Um, and it's all 24, 23 Bond movies. In the, it's the new version with Skyfall inside there as well. So it's like every movie. It's really awesome. They're in these coffee table books that you open up and the discs slide in and there's a picture of each Bond girl. It's an amazing set. We started watching it. They look amazing as well. It's incredible that a movie of 50 years yeah. old looks like it does on, on TV. Um, and then I also got some other presents which I didn't get yet. Gran Turismo. So you sent me a... Uh, a, a hard drive. A, you sent me an email from Amazon <laughs> that said... These are your other things I've ordered. Yeah, because you made a wish list on Amazon. <laughs> if I buy it on the wish list, you're going to know I got it. So I waited till Christmas Day, and then I ordered them, and I did a screenshot of my email. And so I, I got, this is what I got. I got a two terabyte hybrid SSD hard drive, which if you, know what if you don't know what that means, it's a hard drive, a physical spinning hard drive like most of you probably have in your computers, with an SSD also inside it. Now, what the SSD inside it does is... It, it it utilizes the use of the hard drive over time, and then it copies all the files that you use a lot to the SSD. So it makes your computer faster over time, like it learns. It's like, oh, he's always opening PaintShop Pro, so PaintShop Pro needs to be on the SSD. So it it's a hybrid between normal storage and fast SSD. Sounds fantastic. It's it is amazing. It will benefit Sounds you. Sounds like such a fun Christmas. It's probably going to benefit you because <laughs> uh, we have a media server which we... Uh, yeah, but I don't watch the same things over and over. No, not that side. That we've got lots more storage now to keep TV shows because we have lots of TV shows and they are stack up. Uh, the other thing I got from you is the Terminator duology which is... More movies. Uh, all four Terminator movies in the Blu-ray box set. And I, I, and Gran Turismo 6. 
I put that Terminator thing on my list because it's $20 for all four movies. And I was like, that's the best, cheapest box set ever. And um, I've not seen the fourth Terminator movie, and neither have you. Hmm. And Gran Turismo 6 for the PlayStation 3, also, which I'm really looking forward to playing, because, you know, I love it. I've even got a steering wheel. You also got Star Trek mugs and hot chocolate. That Star Wars. Oh, Star- <laughs> Don't Star Trek around me. <laughs> See, it's a classic thing, isn't it? You're Star Wars, I'm Star Trek. But we both... I'm fine with Star Wars. I appreciate... We should be fine. It's the best thing ever. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. What was was that thing I was just saying about not disappearing? So I'm not going to love Star Wars more than I love Star Trek. I don't give a shit. So we got a lot of things for Christmas. And I'm very thankful to you for all my gifts. Me too. I love it. I love my camera. So here's what I see. A pattern forming in our marriage. From you. I either get... (laughs) I get some technology. Which now, this is the third time I've got a camera. The first one you gave me that was yours. And then you bought me a new one. A few years later, you bought me another one. And in between there, I get shoes. So, But you go through... You get to a point where your cameras are... <laughs> I am not precious with my technology. And this drives you crazy. The other camera that I have that you bought me a few years ago, it has... And I'm not... This is literally sat on the middle of a eight-lane street in Germany. In Heidelberg, Germany. Is that the big city? I can't remember. I was in Germany. There's and lots I, of big cities there in was a, It was a Sunday... And uh, it was totally dead. There was, like, no traffic. Maybe one or two little cars going past here and there. But I went out in the middle of this eight-lane street. It wasn't a highway. And I set my camera down on the road and took a picture from the street view. I've set it in the sand in Mexico. I've set it on the ground in Mexico. I've set it in the dirt in, in Germany. I set it on a brick, broken brick path at a castle in Austria where I was. I but mean, I, it's been I, around. I noticed that. And what happened to it? A while ago, is the battery door <laughs> yes. broke, so the batteries fall out on yep. occasion. Every once in a while, I'll be walking. I have to now hold my pinky under the door. At one point, you had a hair tie tied around it. <laughs> yes. So it was, and plus, cameras have come quite a few, quite a way. That was oh, a yes. ten megapixel. Awesome. This one's eighteen. So you're going to get better pictures. And the Wi-Fi thing is awesome. So I love it. I love it. It's going to enhance my life. So um, that's what we got for Christmas, and well. I'll tell you about the other things I got for Christmas when I get them. They're my New Year's presents. Yeah, correct. So um, let me say, uh, this is the last after the show for the, not the last one ever, the last one for this year. So have a happy New Year. Yes. Um, The next show, the New Year will already have been arrived. Um, Catch our websites, aschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook. Catch this podcast. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe, iTunes, blah, blah, blah. You can also email me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. Not even next year. She doesn't want emailing. And stay classy, Mr. Matt Damon. Always classy, always good. Fetch my shoes. <laughs> uh, if anyone knows what that means, you can look it up. Fetch my shoes. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, you're going to disappear and someone's going to do it for you. 